Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into Sports Tonight on BSL Radio. You are listening to our NFL show here on the channel as we are less than three weeks away from the Buffalo Bills and Las Vegas Raiders rookies arriving at minicamp. And boys and girls, do we have an action-packed show? The Deshaun Watson disciplinary hearing is underway. The Washington Commanders locked up their star receiver while in the midst of their own legal hearing. And Tom Brady loses his favorite target to retirement. I'm Derek Tate, and I'm joined by our BSL NFL analyst, Sid Seraf. Sid, how are we doing tonight, my friend? Derek, it is a pleasure as always. I am thrilled to be here. We have not had a chance to share the microphone since really the Super Bowl happened. It feels like a lot has happened. We got a lot to catch up on. Uh, and really, in late June, normally this is kind of the slow period after the NBA Finals, after the NHL Stanley Cup final. Generally, we got a little bit of a, a lull, but right now we got a lot to sink our teeth into, including Deshaun Watson. Uh, they're underway with the disciplinary hearing. And earlier last week, Deshaun Watson settled 20 of the 24 civil lawsuits filed against him for sexual misconduct during massage sessions from 2020 to 2021. The NFL has mounted its own independent investigation into the accusations and will determine its disciplinary action from that investigation. However, said it's it's unlikely to make an impact on the Deshaun Watson disciplinary hearing that began on Tuesday. The fact that he settled with 20 of the 24 um, of these lawsuits, which this is this hearing is expected to last for multiple days. And while it's not known when Sue Robinson, the, the NFL dis disciplinary officer, will actually issue a ruling, there is a sense that the NFL will eventually hand down what is likely a full season suspension for the new Cleveland Browns signal caller with the NFL's players association actually thinking it's possible. The NFL might even choose to indefinitely suspend Watson lasting at least one season. So said, what type of suspension do you expect the league to impose on Deshaun Watson? Well, it, it has to start with the season. Uh, this, the type of thing that he is facing right now, the amount of accusations, it is so great. And so, not great as in good, great as in, you know, it's overwhelming, really, if you look at it, the amount of women uh, who have come forward and all sharing basically the same story. Uh, it's very, it seems predatory behavior. And uh, I think the NFL has gotten a really good example when he, with from Major League Baseball, who suspended uh, Trevor Bauer for two years uh, based on what he had, you know, allegedly done. And I think really a season is where, it has to be a minimum of a season, really. You can't be any less than that, or else this whole thing is kind of a joke. Uh, I understand that he has settled, you know, a lot of those lawsuits. And even if you want to say, like, hey, maybe some people, some of those women were sort of coming in for a payday, fine. Four is too many. One is too many, really, if you really want to think about it. And I think if the NFL really wants to have any type of, you know, credibility when it comes to this, they have to at least impose a season. Probably more. I think the NFL should be shooting for more. And then if they wind up getting less, that's fine. But it has to be a season. So this is obviously a very touchy subject and a lot of there's no one happy in this. And this is all unfortunate. And you, you kind of were left 
really not going to know a lot of the details that really what happened and what didn't happen. I mean, we, obviously there is a uh, potential litigation process that could play out with four of these other civil lawsuits that did not settle. But when Deshaun Watson originally came out and said, I'm aiming to clear my name and I'm basically painting himself into a corner saying, I'm not going to settle. And then we're on the brink of the 2022 NFL season. He didn't play a single snap in 2021 in large part due to these, basically the open investigation and these allegations that were still unsettled at that moment. Sid, you heard Deshaun Watson a couple times that he's had to address the media and, and been peppered with questions regarding his situation and in these, you know, open lawsuits. How, what, do, what do you take away from the fact that he's settled 20 of these 24 civil lawsuits alleging very serious allegations. Well, it's just sort of legal maneuvering right now at this point. I think right. well, I think what Deshaun Watson does not want is to have this come out in open court and have to be cross-examined and have to be have everything, you know, questioned about this. This is this is an ugly ugly situation and it's hard for me to believe that this didn't happen. Um, I understand, listen, you're innocent until proven guilty. There will not be any criminal charges in this case. We understand that. Uh, but, you know, now I'm seeing news that there's going to be six more lawsuits possibly being filed. This is just ugly. And from the moment that this whole thing happened and started, I think it was last year or maybe the year before, I can't remember the dates. <clears throat> but um, the overwhelming feeling that I have is just being uncomfortable. Like it's gross. Like when you think about it, you're just going, oh, my God, this is not good. I'm a huge football fan. I love the NFL. I love football in general. I love the sport. And I want to be proud of it. Not, I don't know if that's the right word, but I want, I don't want ugliness coming onto something that I love. And this is very, very ugly. It's about as ugly as it gets. And from the very beginning when this started, you're going, okay, how many accusers is this? Okay. And they're all kind of having the same story. Then that was one thing. And I understood that. Then all of a sudden, wait, how much money are the Browns giving him? What? How much right. guaranteed? Like, what? What? Are, what's going on? What? How much? Really? They're, they're doing, and now they're saying like, well, we didn't know all this other news. What you knew was enough. It's what? What feels? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead, in. Said my apologies, but 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 what kind of feels disgusting? on top of what were already disgusting allegations, right? And and what he was accused of was already feels very uh, heinous, I guess would be a word sure. to use. I mean, it's it just it, yucky. I, I, I like just kind of gross. Like gross. you said, the word gross definitely keeps coming up into my mind at the forefront of when having to even address these allegations. Then we talk about the fact that the, the Cleveland Browns along with the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers were in basically a bidding war to acquire this man after they were basically they made that initial ruling that there were going to be no criminal charges pressed against Deshaun Watson, but it's still to me it was so unclear it was still you know clear as mud. Basically, there was no clarification that Deshaun Watson was completely innocent. Yet the Cleveland Browns threw a boatload of money at a guy who has not played a single snap for their organization and made him basically the face of their franchise and not to mention, you know, blew up the relationship with Baker Mayfield. So now we're looking at the, the Cleveland Browns who have alienated and basically completely burnt that relationship with Baker Mayfield. Deshaun Watson now looks 
like he is likely to be suspended for the entire 2022 NFL season, said, how bad do the Cleveland Browns look in this entire process? I didn't think it was possible for them to be more inept as an organization than they were for the previous 20 years coming into this. And then, of course, they had that one playoff year and everyone, you know, you, you felt good for them. You know, Baker played well. He was a baller. He's a warrior. He's a leader. Then he comes back uh, last season. He gets hurt, and he battled through it. He tried. Of course, he didn't play well, you know, at times. You know, he was turning the ball over. He was making bad decisions. I don't understand that. But at the same time, you can't doubt his will and his uh, gumption and his willingness to lay it all on the line for his team. And that's what players uh, respect. And, of course, he had that ugly kind of, separation with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. And then his father was posting clips on Twitter, which is never good. But at the same time, it's, um, you know, but that wasn't the organization's fault. That just sort of happens. But now they have this whole Watson deal. And, you know, I saw the comments from Baker today. He's, He's not into it. He's not willing to stick around. He wants to be gone. He wants to go find another opportunity. And I don't blame him. Uh, He tried his hardest and he was treated like dirt. And he was cast aside. And if I was him, I'd, I wouldn't play. If I, I mean, that's easy for me to say because how do you turn down that kind of money? But uh, he, the, he has the leverage now. The, if the Browns want to move forward, they're going to have to kiss his butt, pardon my language. You know, they're going to have to. They're going to have to suck up to him because what they're doing now, they haven't reached out to him. They've ignored him. They've cast him aside. They've treated him like, you know, yesterday's news. And um, – Look, if I was him, he's in a really good spot right now. Yeah, he comes out looking a, a lot better than the Cleveland Browns organization does at this current moment. I mean, the, basically the Browns went through a public divorce and openly left a guy that seemed like a committed partner in the relationship between the Browns and Baker Mayfield and say what you want. And you can certainly criticize some of Baker's play, right? Yep, I'm not trying absolutely. to. I'm not trying to excuse some of the bad decision-making and the turnovers. And certainly you could tell that he was, I think he was pressing. If anything, the team was, the season was starting to fall apart. He wasn't 100%. He was trying to make too many plays. That's I'm not excusing his, his play, but that's from, from the outsider looking in, that's what it looked like me to me for Baker Mayfield's performance in 2021. But yeah, this entire process certainly has, Baker hasn't handled it perfectly either. Certainly he's an emotional chip on his shoulder type of guy. And when he got asked to podcast, you could see that, you know, there's some resentment and some emotions that he's even being able to work through. And he's trying to take that to his next destination, which is completely unknown at the current moment. So I understand why he's still got a lot of bad blood towards the Cleveland Browns. And I, I personally, even if the Browns were to pucker up and, and try to kiss his tail publicly, I don't think Baker's going to have anything of it. I think he's going to either the Seattle Seahawks or the Carolina Panthers at some point, uh, whether they get a deal done or not. But it's certainly a messy situation, and certainly the the Cleveland Browns are looking like they're going to have to roll into 2022 with Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback. And, you know, listen, and time is running out. You have players that are getting older. That's that's the one thing about the NFL that is different than NBA and Major League Baseball. Uh Players have a very defined shelf life. You cannot afford to lose a season. So once you have – because you don't know what's going to happen. You have Miles Garrett now. Sure, he's good now, but you don't know what's going to happen. He could take a wrong step and tear up his knee, and then he's never the same player again. You cannot afford to waste time. 
in pro football. And that's what they're probably going to have to do. And their actions with Baker Mayfield uh, is stronger than anything that they can say, any word that they can put forth. Uh, anybody that has been through a breakup uh, can tell you that the other person's actions are more powerful than their words. And how they've treated him, you know, they've they've made their feelings clear. And uh, it's who it's who they paid too. It's who they left them for. Yeah. Like that's what feels even grosser about the whole. Thing. I know it's it's embarrassing. It really is. Well, we will see how that plays out with Deshaun Watson. Obviously, there's going to be some sort of disciplinary action that comes down, you know, sooner rather than later from the National Football League in regards to Deshaun Watson and his status for 2022. Uh, if I'm going to put money on it, I'm going to bet Friday, Friday afternoon. Bet. Yeah, I mean, it's always kind of good. To, like, I, I was watching Office Space the other day, the movie. It's always kind of good to give someone that news on Friday. So, that's like statistically. So, that's when we'll go ahead and guess that Deshaun Watson will hear something from the National Football League. And speaking of the National Football League, Washington Commanders have certainly been a team that have, you know, been in the headlines, if, you know, for good or bad reasons. We'll start with the good in that their wide receiver, Terry McLaurin, has signed a three-year extension worth up to $71 million in new money that places him among some of the highest-paid wide receivers in the National Football League. Certainly, he's been one of the few bright spots on an offense that has been very inconsistent and particularly struggled through the air in recent years. But, you know, what does this do, this contract for Terry McLaurin? How does this affect, really, the guy over in San Francisco who's arguably the best non-quarterback weapon in the National Football League in Debo Samuel, who's also looking for a payday there with the 49 I'm seeing green if I'm Debo. And if I'm also DK Metcalf, don't forget him. His is mm. coming up soon. He's going to get paid. Uh, listen, th- th- these types of things, I'm always happy when I see football players get their money, especially that second contract, because – the shelf again, not to go to go back to it again. The shelf life is unpredictable. You don't know. So once you get that money, that's that's golden. And with I'm Debo, if I'm his agent, I'm going. Okay, here we go. That's a good starting point because if you're going to compare and contrast, Terry McLaurin's a great player, a good player, solid. But he got that kind of money. Debo's a great player, in my opinion. Uh, he's so versatile. He can do so many things. He's tough. He's, he comes out there. He's somebody that I just love to watch play. And if I'm Debo, I'm going to get paid. Now, it may not be in San Francisco, but uh, it's it's good news for him. He's, he's, uh, he's going to be set for life after this. Yeah, McLaurin's been certainly, a, I think, a high-quality player and certainly outplayed his draft stock uh, coming into the National Football League from Ohio State. And he's really put up some – Pretty gaudy numbers considering how much that Washington offense has struggled through the air since he's entered the National Football League. So he deserves a payday. Is he probably being paid more due to the receiver market and his age and his coming ability rather than him being a top five wide receiver? I think so. But certainly for Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf, respectively, um, those guys are going to they're going to get their contracts. They're going to get paid. It's just interesting how you try to work it out with Debo Samuel because he's so involved as far as just like a pure weapon, um, not just pure passing, pass-catching receptions, numbers, yards through the air. He, you just hand him the ball, and he seems to make plays with it, which makes him one of the more interesting guys to have to try to figure out a contract for in the National Football League. 100%. And, uh, again, like I said, 
Terry McLaurin is a streaky wide receiver, and I know because I had him on my fantasy team last year. So I can tell you uh, he will disappear for a game or two, but then he'll come up huge. He'll have eight, nine catches, have a touchdown. and uh, that. But it's like that with all wide receivers. Now, their quarterback situation is a little questionable. Again, I would say. That's, that's that's kind. That's yes, that's kind. I mean, uh, I love. Uh, I, I'm a positive guy, Derek. I like to. I like to uh, uh, see the positive and everything. I, I'm a big Taylor Heineke fan. Uh, I've always liked him. I like the. I love the story. I love the fact that he was sitting at home. That all of a sudden, two weeks later, he's playing Tom Brady. Uh, I I love the story about him. But then they're bringing in Carson Wentz, who somebody who had what less than five interceptions last year. I can't believe how down people are on him. But at the same time, when you watch him play and his bad interceptions, uh, him and Matthew Stafford had turnovers last year that just boggled the mind. And yet Matt, Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl. I don't know. You know, this just happens sometimes. It felt, though, you could rely more on Stafford to make big-time throws more consistently than someone like Carson Wentz. And certainly the offense has to do with it, the weapons around him. Cooper Cup, obviously, being the triple crown winner at wide receiver, didn't hurt that Matthew Stafford had him at his, at his disposal. But Carson Wentz, you just – I think sometimes you remember the most recent failure. It's easy to do that. And him losing to the team that had the number one overall pick for a second straight year <laughs> – on a must-win game to get into the playoffs, yeah. and Wentz didn't show up. They got their tails kicked as a as an entire like an entire unit, but certainly Wentz wasn't the reason that they won that game. In fact, he was part of the problem and not the solution. So, I, I, it felt like a a bit of a you know that quickly. It was like, man, damn. All right, I, I get that he didn't play great this year, but I also didn't think he was a complete. I, I, he had him in position to make it to the playoffs in the last week of the regular season. Right? Yeah. That has, had to count for something. And all he had to do was not kill his team. And unfortunately he did when everyone was watching and that, you know, and that was, that was the issue with them because the Colts were a playoff team. They had talent. There, there was no reason they shouldn't have been in the postseason. And that last loss was the Jaguars, right? Where they, and yeah. that was, Oh, that was so gross. It was, I can't defend it. And I've been a big Carson Wentz fan. I, I've been an apologist for him. Uh, I guess I was really sucked in by that one, quote-unquote, MVP season he was having when uh, the Eagles won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, he was he was unreal. He was really good. Then, of course, he tore up his knee playing the Rams in uh, at the Coliseum. And I think part of that was also because of the Coliseum turf. You know, but you know, that's a conversation for a different day. But, uh, uh, you know, it just – so to getting back to Washington – I don't know who's going to be uh, throwing Terry McLaurin the ball. Obviously, it's going to be Carson. You know, they gave him the money and they traded for him. So it's, you know, it's going to happen. But uh, we'll have to see. You know, I'm rooting for him. Hope it works out. But uh, I don't know. Well, it feels as if the NFC East is a winnable division. I I, I think Philadelphia got a lot better this offseason. I think the Cowboys took a step back. Um, we'll see if Carson Wentz is truly an upgrade to that of Taylor Heineke. But of course, the thing that we always seem to talk about every off season involving the Washington football team or the commanders or whatever their current team name is, is their owner, Daniel Snyder. Now, NFL commissioner Roger Goodell testified this past Wednesday before members of Congress at a hearing by the house committee, um, 
Goodell was basically questioned by multiple members of the committee, um, one of which asking whether the league was willing to do more to punish Washington Commanders owner Daniel Snyder uh, in regards to an investigation into sexual harassment allegations within the workplace, to which Commissioner Goodell required, or replied, I don't have the, the authority to remove him. An NFL owner said cannot be removed but only by three-quarters majority vote by the owner, so 24 out of the 32 have to vote him out. So how many, how many fiascos is one owner going to have before the other owners begin to say, Enough is enough, man. You're not good for our product. You're not good for our brand. What are we to make of the, another fiasco involving Dan Snyder? Building on what you're saying, this is something that I've found myself telling, asking myself sort of rhetorically, uh, especially over the last few years, you know, when all the de- – like uh, with like the whole Me Too movement and everything that came out because it was, it was something that I had a hard time believing because I wouldn't act that way. And then I found myself asking, how hard is it to just be cool? Why, why is that so difficult for people to do it? Just be cool. It's not that difficult. Show up to work, treat people with respect, and then go home. Why are you out there trying to make people feel uncomfortable and making creepy comments or whatever the God's, you know, God's name he did or didn't do, allegedly? But uh, it's, an, it's just a running embarrassment. However, for the league. Now, here's where the rub comes in. Would he be able – would you be able to get – what you say, the two-thirds majority uh, to yep. vote him out? It's actually three-fourths. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a pretty – it's overwhelming, like three-quarters. Yeah, three-quarters majority vote is what's required to remove an owner. Yeah, because the way they're – I imagine these owners are going to look at it. It's not about doing the right thing. They're thinking about themselves because I will say this. Most – people that become that successful have skeletons in their closet. Like there are people that they have stomped on on the way to get there. Doesn't always happen, but I would say a majority of people have left uh, hurt feelings in their, in their wake at minimum. Now what it was kind of like, it harkens back to, if you remember when the NBA got rid of Donald Sterling, and Mark Cuban uh, brought up because you know he was making racist remarks, and you know he was just a bad guy. No one really liked him. But Mark Cuban brought up something very interesting. I don't like the idea of having my team taken away because of something like this. And I think a lot of NFL owners are going to feel that same because if you were to probably ask them, they probably don't like Daniel Snyder. They probably think, God, he's an he's just a walking embarrassment, bad press all the time. Everything that's coming out of that organization is negative. But at the same time, they're going to think about themselves and they're going to think maybe someday somebody that I crossed is going to come forward and I don't want my team taken away. So it's going to be difficult to find those votes to get him out. Right. And as far as you know, what Goodell said, it makes sense. You know, he doesn't really have authority over them. He works for the owners at the pleasure of the owners. So there's really not much he can do. I mean, he can make public statements and say, this is bad and this is an embarrassment. He can levy fines. But as far as taking away someone's team, that's very difficult to do. And even if there are a lot of owners that feel like he's a bad guy and it would be better if he was not involved in uh, this league, I don't know if that's going to be enough to get them to vote to ouster him. Well, in particular, uh, to touch on your Goodell comment, yeah, there's 
he doesn't have the power. It, what, he's the unfortunate guy that's going to have to answer this question because he's the NFL commissioner. He's the one that's going to have to go in there and give the public statement. Basically, the the, <laughs> the public relations you know version of you know what transpired, what we're doing, what we're doing to go ahead and um, you know ensure situations like this don't take place in the workplace. Not only with the commanders, but everybody or every team across the National Football League. He's the guy that's going to have to address those questions. And, you know, whether it's a congressman or, or anybody that's questioning Goodell about this, they're going to ask those scathing questions. Well, you know, what more can you do? Unfortunately, by the bylaws of the National Football League, he's he can't, it's not like he can fire someone. He's not, it's not you know, it's not his, his, his call, so to say. But I, I do hear you about, you know, whether or not the other 31 owners in the national football league have affection for Dan Snyder, whether they like him, whether he's charismatic or not, you know, you're talking to the other 31 owners who could find themselves in a similar situation. Uh, you know, not, not exactly. I mean, it, like you said, I, I imagine not every people that commit those type of potential allegations or anything like that in regards to what Daniel Snyder did or didn't do um, as far as sexual allegations or harassments go like, yeah, I'm sure the other 31 owners are not committing those same allegations or anything of that nature. I I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but you know what I'm saying is that I'm trying to, (laughs) I'm trying to get at the fact that I imagine that they just don't want to find themselves in some sort of other allegation scandal, like you said, skeletons in the closet. I, again, I, it's hard to speak because we don't know any of those potential skeletons, but certainly they may look at this and go, I, I don't feel like I want to be the person to yank him from his position as owner, given that situation. I think I, I would personally go, if he did that stuff, if he did commit sexual misconduct, then yeah, he's not a good look for the league and I would vote to remove him. But, you know, I'm, I'm not one of the 31 other owners in the national football. Exactly. So it's, 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 it's another sticky, unfortunate, yuck, gross situation that we're, we're having to talk about, but this is what we're talking about in late June in regards to the national football league. And another unfortunate situation, this off season involves saints, Pro Bowl running back Alvin Kamara, who is potentially preparing for a six-game suspension. Now, to kind of catch you up on it, potentially six weeks, maybe even more, according to a report from Pro Football Talk. The Pro Bowl running back was arrested in Las Vegas on the day of the 2022 Pro Bowl for battery resulting in substantial bodily harm. If Kamara is expected to be out for for at least one month, how does this affect the Saints and their chances of potentially trying to compete for a in the division and or a wild card spot in the NFC? Well, the good news is for the Saints is that the NFC the balance of power I feel in the league has shifted towards the AFC. And I think most people would tell you that. I mean, the the AFC races are uh, division races are going to be extraordinarily tough and very compelling. And granted, they do have Tampa in their division, and Tom Brady is back. But the rest of the division is not bad. And it's kind of like you can plan for something like this the way you would plan for an injury. It's it's up to you to have depth and to have a plan. Because he might be suspended for a month or however long it may be. 
but it would just be the same thing if he had taken an awkward step and sprained and had a high ankle sprain or something like that. If you don't have depth at running back or plan at that position, that's on you. So I think it won't be the end of the world, you know, obviously depending on, uh, you know, the, the length of the suspension, which I imagine would, like you said, would probably be around four games. That's usually what it is. He might appeal and have it reduced, but, uh, you know, I've looked into the case a little bit. It's, you know, know, obviously with a lot of these things, it's not good. Um, but I don't think it will be the end of the world. I think, you know, New Orleans has a lot of other issues that they need to deal with. And, uh, uh, yeah, to answer your question, I don't think it's it's really going to be as much of a problem as you might think at first blush. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is there's no Sean Payton there in town anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. really, Alvin Kamara is one of the best dual threat running backs in the National Football League as far as his ability to be able to create mismatches in the passing game. He's a, like you can argue he's the best pass catching running back in the NFL right there alongside maybe Christian McCaffrey. Certainly his presence will be missed uh, on any offense. If he's going to miss a significant amount of time, Jameis Winston will not have that security blanket. If he does miss, you know, any sort of significant amount of time uh, with a suspension from the NFL, but Alvin Kamara, ultimately the saints need to really worry about whether Jameis Winston is the answer at quarterback. That's where I I truly believe their fate is going to lie. Is Jameis Winston the guy that we saw glimpses of in the first month of the season last year where he wasn't turning the football over and had these great games? I mean, he started the season against Aaron Rodgers throwing five touchdown passes. Like, And I saw it as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. There were moments of brilliance, and then those were generally – outweighed by the moments of um, boneheadedness, I guess I could call it, just terrible turnovers that I would see like a high school quarterback do. It just, the inconsistency was always a problem with Winston. It looked like it may have been cured under Sean Payton, but we'll never know if it will. I guess we'll actually, we will know. We'll know if it was Sean Payton or not in the first month uh, when Jameis Winston starts under center heading into this year. And speaking of heading into this year, we got some unfortunate news. The Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts family uh, and and really the Fox Broadcasting family uh, lost what I consider is a, is a legend of, of an NFL reporter and, a, and certainly a difference maker on the football field as Tony Saragusa tragically passed away last week. You know, can you give me your thoughts on uh, – my initial reaction to whenever I talked about Sony, Tony Saragusa or his name was ever brought up in conversation, and man, is that guy just fun. That guy just loves the game, and just he, his personality just felt so contagious, whether he was being interviewed after the game or when he was a player or whether when he ended up doing some great sideline work for Fox for, for the better part of a decade. Uh, he's going to be solely missed because he just – you could feel that the man loved the game of football. Yeah, and it was also just, you know, I think back to um, that first Hard Knocks because it was the Ravens. That was right. The yep. first Hard Knocks and him and Shannon Sharp uh, getting in that prank war, and he was so funny and so likable. And then, you know, of course, he was part of that Ravens team that won that Super Bowl, that amazing defense. And then, you know, when he um, joined as that sideline, you know, analyst role on the field, I loved the fact that he was in the end zone you know, outside the end zone because he was so different. He liked that because uh, I could tell that's what he was looking at. He was interested in the line play. And 
it was so rare to actually have that focus because I was a lineman back in high school. So I'm, I, you know, I'm a big, big uh, uh, fan of the trenches and uh, he loved it. And you could tell it was, he was funny. He had that, you know, small cameo in the Sopranos. It was just everywhere you would see him. He was always funny. He always had a smile on his face. He was, you know, one of those life of the party type guys. And, you know, we don't know exactly what happened to him, but I know he had, you know, heart issues in his family, you know, with his father, he talked, he was very open about that, how, you know, he went through that, his father died young, you know, from a heart issue. And, you know, we don't know exactly what happened or anything like that. I'm not, you know, trying to speculate here, but, you know, if it turns out to be that, you know, that, you know, it's just sad, you know, you don't like seeing people go young and he was always a, you know, breath of fresh air and always had so much life in him. It was, he'll be missed. He really will. Yeah, you, you lose a member of, of the family when you're talking about it. I watch the NFL religiously like you do, and, and he certainly, anytime that the goose was on the sideline, I, I looked forward to whenever the man decided to chime in on something. The dude was just radiated positivity and just love of the game, and that's somebody I can connect with and will forever connect with, and, and you know, respect to Tony Saragusa, man. He had a had a hell of a career and, and left a uh, lasting legacy on the game, both on and off the field. It post playing days, uh, you will be missed, my friend. Uh, speaking of will be missed in a different light, Rob Gronkowski announced last week that he is retiring from the National Football League, and. The Bucks are my team, as you know. I'm. Already, I mean, if you were turning, if you're only tuning in via the audio cast, then you won't be seeing the fact that I'm wearing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers polo right now. I have a Buccaneers flag hanging up behind me, even though this isn't going on a live stream or anything like that via video. But Rob Gronkowski is certainly going to be missed and have an immediate impact in a negative way, not being on the football field and not being a security blanket for Tom Brady. I, you can certainly debate whether he's the greatest tight end of all time. He certainly has deserved to have his name mentioned amongst the Titans of that position, um, wherever he falls in any all-time tight end list. Rob Gronkowski is going to be missed. I kind of get the feeling, though, Sid, I'm going to throw this out there, that Tom Brady may be hitting Rob Gronkowski up with a you-up type of text <laughs> Somewhere around week 13, if the Buccaneers find themselves in trouble in the division and maybe flirting with not making the playoffs, if things don't go their way, Brady may give them a call, and who knows. But certainly, if we take it at face value, Rob Gronkowski will be missed, and certainly he is one of the, speaking of fun guys that love the game, he certainly came off as a guy that enjoyed his time in the National Football League, and it was a joy to watch him. Yeah, I mean, he came back once. So if you do it once... I'm not. I can't be surprised if it happens again. Uh, yes, and I'm. I'm with you. I mean, would I be shocked if, like you know, like you said, around week 13, you know, you're facing a critical scre- uh, stretch and you need a you need a couple of wins? I would definitely not be surprised. I would imagine Rob is going to keep himself in shape, but it, it goes a little beyond that, just because he has had some. He's had a lot of injuries over the years, and right. it, we know so much more about the game of football than we did. You know, when we were children, you know, like coming up, you're just kind of ah, tough it out, rub some dirt on it, get back in there. But now you're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, the after effects of, you know, when you take a lot of hits and you take a lot of headshots like he has, definitely has had some concussions. 
I want to see guys walk away sooner rather than later, in my opinion. If you play quarterback, it's a little different. You know, obviously you are taking hits and, you you know, you take hits. They're really bad because you've got 11 guys on the other side of the football that are trying to kill you. But, uh, you know, with like fullbacks and like middle linebackers and those types of positions where you're really cracking heads a lot, I'd rather see guys walk away earlier rather than later, especially like you saw like Patrick Willis, who probably had at least, you know, probably another few years left in him, but he was like, you know what? I've done enough. That's okay. I've got, I've got a lot of respect for folks uh, that listen to their bodies. Yes. And I mean, these are professional athletes that in today's day and age are so conscious about what they put into their body, their physical fitness, their pliability, like, and how that, ha- that aspect of conditioning has evolved throughout the years in the, in the, in the professional sports world. You know, certainly guys like Patrick Willis and Luke Weekly come to mind that are that are concerned about, you know, their mental health, um, you know, with the long lasting effects on your brain for the rest of your life. You only get one of those. But certainly, you know, Gronk played the game with a physicality that you love as a as somebody watching, but certainly it takes its toll on any person's body. He is human and you know, I, I'm happy to see him come back, win a Super Bowl, walk away. He certainly showed that he had plenty left in the tank. If he wants to come back, I'm sure that he could. I, you know, as a Buccaneers guy, and I'm and I'm looking at this real quick, just a snapshot looking at the tight end position. It went from, like, one of the best tight end rooms in the National Football League with him and O.J. Howard and Cam Brait, to now all of a sudden Howard's in Buffalo. Bronx retired. Now he's going to be chilling on a boat somewhere in Tampa Bay or where else. <laughs> And now you got Cameron Brait and Kate Otten, a rookie. I mean, all of a sudden, Brady doesn't have quite as many reliable targets at the tight end spot as he did during his first two years in Tampa Bay. I'm just, it, it may have an impact on the football field. And also one thing that Gronk was always kind of chronically underrated for was his blocking. Um, yes. So certainly, I, 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 I think that this is going to have a bigger impact on the Bucks offense than some would think. No, I, and I agree with you. Like you said, the the tight end room is now moth-eaten, but uh, it's still Tom Brady under center. And I've right. said this many, many times over the last few years writing for uh, Baltimore Sports and Life. Uh, I don't bet against Tom Brady. And uh, he came within a breath of pulling off one of the greatest upsets I've ever, I would have ever seen in that playoff game. Uh, I lost 10 years off my life uh, watching that game. You were there in person in my – I was in person. I was there yeah. in person. And uh, I can't imagine. We had we had no business being in that game, by the way. None. Yeah. I mean. The Rams uh, tried to give it to him as really, they really, really tried hard to give the, the Bucks that game. And somehow they didn't. And they pulled it together at the end. And I still don't understand. I, it was one of those games where I just at the end of it, I was like, what did I just watch? Like, that was that was crazy. Like, I didn't even enjoy the win. I was like, you know, out of breath. And I was going that that was insane what i just watched but to get back to it yes uh as i mentioned before the balance of power has shifted to the afc the nfc is suddenly will it be that big of a deal is it as difficult as it was in years past to get there because i mean if you look at you got dallas like you said they've taken a step back maybe you've got the rams coming off the super bowl you've got green bay now that does not have Devonte adams uh who else really are you afraid of in the NFC 
I'm not scared of the Cardinals. Uh, maybe, the, I mean, the, honestly, it depends on Trey Lance. The San Francisco 49ers could make a little bit of noise. Uh, I mean, and we're going to talk. Actually, I, I want to segue this beautifully into taking a look at the NFL schedule for 2022. And, and really, the Tampa Bay Lightning last uh, just earlier this week were unable to complete their three-peat. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the defending Super Bowl champs from a season before. They got knocked off in their own house, uh, which ended their bid for a potential repeat performance. And we haven't seen an NFL champion repeat since the New England Patriots back in 03 and 04. So we're looking at the Rams' schedule, and it kicks off with a team that is like right there neck and neck as a Super Bowl contender as far as Vegas odds go and the Buffalo Bills on September 8th. I mean, it's starting off right out of the gates, like, you know, <laughs> potential Super Bowl preview maybe, but I'm looking at the Rams and they play in one of the toughest divisions, even though the, the Seahawks have now kind of, you know, by their own choice, removed themselves from Super Bowl contention. I think division contention amongst, you know, obviously the likes of the Rams, the Cardinals and the, and the 49ers, but Sid, tell me what you're looking at as far as this schedule goes. It's brutal in the first three weeks to start it off. And, of course, they're playing in a tough division. You know, what are your expectations for, for the Rams? Are they, are they even going to repeat as as NFC West champions, much less going back to the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, I mean, I am not picking them to reach the Super Bowl. Uh, and I'm a Rams fan, uh, so uh, full disclosure. But I am not uh, picking them to reach the Super Bowl. Uh, like you said, they start out with Buffalo at home, granted. But if you know anything about Los Angeles, it's a transient city. And you've got a lot of people from that did not grow up here that live here. And so I would imagine you're going to see a lot of Bills Mafia in the stands on that right. on that opening night. So you've got them. Then they've got the Falcons at home. Okay. Then they go at the Cardinals, at the 49ers, which are two division games. And... Those are always difficult. You can't uh, – the, the Niners, you know, other than the NFC Championship game, have enjoyed a lot of success against Sean McVay teams. Then you've got Dallas at home. Then you play the Panthers at home. Then it's the bye, which is week uh, nine, I want to say. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, okay. No, week seven. Uh, I think so. Yes, week seven. Okay. Disclosure: My math is terrible. Yeah, no, I'm the, like, <laughs> that's why I'm a writer because I can't, I, I can't do math. <laughs> I couldn't get a real job. I had to do this. You know what I mean? But uh, here's the bye week. After the bye week, listen to these five games in a row: the home against the Niners. That's going to be a home game for the Niners. You got at Tampa, home against the Cardinals, at New Orleans, and then at the Chiefs. Hey. Would you be that shocked if they went one and four in that stretch? I I mean I I, I would give them two games. <laughs> I I would give them a minimum of two games. I, but yeah, that's that's a brutal stretch. <laughs> oh goodness. And then and not to mention, then you're finishing up with the the Raiders. You got Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, mind you, in December. Uh, the Broncos, who are certainly you know up there as far as a team that can compete potentially in, in late December. And then the Chargers, who are loaded and have one of the best young quarterbacks uh, in the National Football League and Justin Herbert. So I, I'm looking at this schedule. I mean, unfortunately, they drew the terrible draw of having to play the AFC West as one of their counterparts uh, in a season where it's probably the best top to bottom division I've, I've seen in my lifetime. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's ridiculous the amount of talent that's in that division. You can finish fourth or last place in that division and still be a good team. 
like in a tough out and a team that nobody wants to play. Uh, again, good luck to the Rams. Uh, I'm going to be rooting for them, but uh, and again, it, it's a it's a big break because of the fact that you know so many players have gone to the AFC and that AFC is so tough and the NFC is not that difficult as it was in years past. And so, yeah, I think I talked to you before and I sent you some emails saying like I wouldn't be surprised if they missed the playoffs. I've kind of backed off a little bit on that now. Uh, I'm still not picking them to reach the Super Bowl. I think they can still backdoor their way into the playoffs, uh, even if things go wrong. But, man, I mean, they're going to be beat up once they get there because they will uh, – or that could be a good thing. You never know because, you know, once you, you've been tested all season long and it's kind of – what is it, you know, uh, steel, sharp, and steel or something? Is that, is, it, is, that a, is that a phrase? There's a saying that I don't I don't have, and I'm not going to try to, you know, put myself out <laughs> yeah. there. I'm gonna I, up. I probably am way off. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> But uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. So uh, you know, my I just look at the rest of the NFC. I think they're going to make the playoffs, even if they don't win the division. Maybe it's the Niners or maybe it's the Cardinals. Who knows? But uh, certainly, I, I think the Rams. Just because the, the rest of the NFC is is kind of there for the taking. I mean, there's question marks with e- pretty much every other team outside of even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they took a stop a step back because you lost Rob Gronkowski. I, I, I certainly think that. That, that has a uh, an impact of some sort, maybe not a, a huge one, but it has an impact in a negative way. Cowboys, again, took a small step back. Philadelphia is really the only team that was even in the, I guess, contender conversation. I wouldn't even consider them a contender because I'm not a believer in Jalen Hurts, but I do think that the rest of the roster around him looks kind of nice. Um, they're tough out. They're, they're one of those yeah. teams that you don't want to play. They're They'll be a tough yeah, they're, they're a tough out team. It's the NFC East. I mean, it's going to be weird every single year, like it always is. But <clears throat> the team, the team that I think has a chance to surprise in the NFC is actually the Minnesota Vikings. I think if the Minnesota Vikings can stay healthy, Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, Daniel Hunter can stay healthy. I think that they could make some noise. I mean, Justin Jefferson's one of the best young wide receivers in the National Football League, and Thielen could certainly do his thing too. So, I, I, offensively, I think that they could pose some problems for a lot of teams. But uh, and I, I think the the Packers without Devontae Adams will take a step back as well. I don't think that they win home field advantage. Not that it's even mattered for them the last couple of years. But I mean, I'm, that's, that's that that was mean. That was a slight yeah, shot at Green you, Bay fans. You're right, though. I mean, I've always said it. I just don't trust them in the playoffs. I just don't. Sorry, <laughs> you know. I mean, I have years and years of evidence that can back me up on that one, man. So I mean, it's not like it's not like we're being unfair. We're just going by what you know. We're just playing the results. And the results have not been promising. So So we're playing the results here, and that'll do it for this episode of the NFL Show on Sports Tonight here on BSL Radio. For Sid Seraf, I'm Derek Tate. Thanks for joining us. We'll be bringing you an episode pretty much on a weekly basis as we are inching our way towards the National Football League kicking off in 2022. If you can't tell, I'm a little bit excited. It's still late June. I need to calm down. Sid, (laughs) any final thoughts? I can't wait for training camps to open, man. It's about a month away. Can't wait. Three weeks and counting. Until next time, everybody, check us out. We are both contributors over on the Baltimore Sports and Life uh, website.com. You go ahead and Jump on and talk to us on the NFL forum as well. Thank you for listening in. Until our next episode, later says the tater, and you have yourselves a fantastic night.